Welcome to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. This is our attempt to speak the gospel out of every corner of Scripture. We believe every part of the Bible, Old Testament and New, is about Jesus. And this podcast is our experiment to publicly test that belief. Let's jump in. All right, well, welcome to the first special episode, special episode. of the Spoken Gospel Podcast. We, uh, Seth and I were um, talking about um, Exodus 5 and 10 and the plagues and everything last week and spent a lot of time talking about Pharaoh's hard heart as we unpacked the passage, but then just felt like we didn't have enough time to really talk about what that means <laughs> and who hardened whose heart yeah. and all that kind of stuff. There's just so much in every single one of these passages that we're glossing over. So feel free to contact us and let us know, hey, you should talk about this. And right. maybe we'll do another special episode if we get enough responses for yeah. one thing. So we're going to try to to just spend maybe just just over 10 minutes. We're, we'll see if we can stick to that. Um, talking about hard heart, Pharaoh's hard heart and how that fits into the biblical narrative. So let's just let's hop in. So there's a lot of talk throughout all this about Pharaoh's hard hearts. Who hardened Pharaoh's heart? Did he harden his own heart? Did God do it every single time? Uh, what do you think's happening when Pharaoh's heart is hard? Is yeah. it always him? Is it always God? What's happening? Yes. <laughs> it's it, it's always him and it's always God. It, it has to be. Uh, we know it has to always be God because God promised it before it even happened. And so he's like, I will harden Pharaoh's heart. Before Moses even went into Egypt, we see God making that promise. So God is always involved somehow. But then also we know that it also has to be Pharaoh because he's the acting agent. He's the responsible moral agent. So it's it's a both and thing happening here. And while that might leave us with an enigma to unravel, it's definitely the correct biblical answer to the question. So what you're saying is this text isn't actually telling us about free will no. or whether or not we're robots. What it's telling us is <laughs> that God is hardening his heart yep. and Pharaoh's hardening his own. Yep. And that's actually all the information we have. Yep. That's it. So <laughs> so where does that leave us then as people who want to know more about those questions? Right. Should we just say, well, you don't get to ask that question or... We eventually we will get to that point. I think we can we can learn a little bit more, but we will at the end of the road reach um, that point where we go, and that's where your questions have to stop, oh little man. Because uh, ultimately, when Paul talks about this passage in Romans nine, that's where he gets. He's like, "Who are you to ask this question?" <laughs> at some point, when we ask the question, "Who is God to harden hearts?" You know, and who is God to make? a vessel like Pharaoh, knowing that he would harden his heart and that he would ultimately die in the Red Sea. Like, who's God to do this? Well, who are you to ask is is the place that we ultimately get. But I think there's a, a, there's a journey to happen between those two poles of, well, we know this story happened, and this is the way the Bible presents it, and stop asking the question. I think there's things we can know in between those two places. So let's just put aside the question about that for right. free will for right. now and let's just, why is it important to understand that both god and pharaoh hardened the heart 
in yeah. this story. Well, I think I think just the hardness of heart in particular is really important to talk about because it is all the way through the Old Testament and New Testament. It's it's a very common theme that we need to get our heads around here. And so with the, with hardness of heart, we see we see not only is Pharaoh having a hard heart, but we know that all of Israel has a hard heart too later on. And so even after God gives them the whole law, at the end of of the law, at the end of Deuteronomy, it says that um, that they won't be able to follow this law though, because God had not yet circumcised their heart; He had not yet given them a new heart. And so, again, we see not only then is God responsible for Pharaoh's hard heart; He's ultimately responsible for Israel's hard heart too, because at the end of the law, it doesn't say, and they won't be able to follow this law because Israel hadn't changed its heart. It's because God had not yet circumcised their heart. So whether God hardens or softens, that's 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 him. up to him. But so don't doesn't Israel have like some sort of agency in that as well? Yes, of course they do. If they didn't, then there wouldn't be prohibitions or exhortations. There wouldn't be a law. There wouldn't be commands. So mankind is is commanded to obey, to submit, to um to to follow God. Uh, and so we are moral agents responsible for our actions. Um, but so, how that actually fits in with God softening and hardening, that's ultimately the question that we hit the the ed, end of the wall on. And what you're saying is you actually don't have to have an answer to that question to understand what's happening here. That's right. It's the, the wrong story. question. And what is the right question? The right question is like, should I obey God? <laughs> and the answer is yes. And like, and it's like, you know, I mean, we know that like those who seek after God, um, like, will find him. That's biblical promise. Like it's just it's just true, and so um, I often hear people talking about when they when they want to when they want to critique the reform position, which the, the reform position being that God elects those to be saved, um, and, and those are the ones that He softens their hearts and brings into Him. The rest are hardened because they're sinners and they hate God. They're His enemy, as we're told in Scripture. When people want to critique that position, they they try to paint this this person, and this person is one who, no matter how hard he tries to obey God to find. God, because he's not elect, he never will. And um, and they're like, how is this fair? And the scriptures would tell us that this person does not exist, that no one who seeks God with all their heart will, will fail to find him. Well, don't we see that a little bit in Pharaoh? Pharaoh is trying to like reason with Moses, right? He says, okay, I'll let you send these people. Yep. He even repents a couple different times to but him. But it's false repentance, right? Because he's just trying to get something out of it. He's not actually repenting and going, oh, you're right. I should obey God and let the people go. He's trying to salvage what's left of his empire and protect himself. So it's a false repentance. And so it's not. It's definitely not a true repentance. The, uh, Pharaoh never truly repented. So you would say Pharaoh isn't isn't trying to come to God and God's preventing him. No. Pharaoh set, sees the judgments of God and says, I will not follow a God that does this. All right, I, well, or, or I think he says he sees the judgments of God and he says, how can I placate this God to, to kind of protect my empire a little bit? It becomes about self-preservation in a sense. And then even whenever he does make these concessions to Moses uh, and then Moses says, no, 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 we need all the animals or we need the men too. We need we need." exactly what God had asked for, just give us this so we can go worship our God, then he says no. It's always, once it comes down to let us give glory to God and do what he asks, then the answer is always no. So I don't think there's any true repentance in Pharaoh. Okay, so that's how God hardens hearts. So that's a glimpse behind the scenes of somehow 
partially God hardens people's hearts right. with their own volition still intact somehow. Yeah, all their false repentance and all their hatred of this God and his glory. Yeah. So what about the other side of that? You said that people of Israel needed their hearts softened right. and that God needed to do it. Yep. Um, well, what does that process look like? Yeah, right. And so we see that throughout the Old Testament. We see that like uh, in Jeremiah and Ezekiel, you see that uh, you have unrepentant Israel. They're still breaking the covenant. They're still not being the people of God. And he says, you have a hard heart. And Jeremiah and Ezekiel, both, they talk about this, this day that will come when God will make a new covenant whenever he will take out their heart of stone and give his people a heart of flesh and he will make them follow his commands and he will put the Holy Spirit in them and that Holy Spirit will soften their hearts and cause them to follow God's commands. And so that's the promise of God in the Old Testament, right, that we see fulfilled ultimately um, in Jesus and in the early church, that the Holy Spirit comes down at Pentecost. We see that happening, and you see these people then living these lives of new fruit, and they're actually obeying the commands of God. They're living in this new community of God. They're operating under, under the kingship of God and the kingdom of God. And so God's kingdom comes when his Spirit comes and gives us this new heart. Which I don't think I've thought about this way until you said so, but whenever we see God acting in the people of Israel, what do we always see? Some sort of disobedience, some sort of failure, some sort of dissolving of the nation of Israel. They go into exile multiple times, but when the Holy Spirit comes and softens hearts, we actually get a, an alternate history to the people of God. Yeah. One that's continually increasing and multiplying, going throughout through throughout the entire earth, being marked by signs and wonders. We see like an almost the opposite history yeah. of what Israel happened before because they were hardened before, but now they're softened. Right. And not only that, the, the, the goal of Israel was to be a blessing to all nations. And we see that in the church. Like the church is becoming more and more ubiquitous over the face of the earth. It began with the early apostles going out on their missionary journeys, and now Christians can be found in every corner of the earth, and it's increasing so. Like, I mean, I work a lot with Bible translation organizations, and there's still um, hundreds and hundreds of languages that don't have one single verse of Scripture in their language, but, but Christians are working fastidiously to get that fixed to to get God into every last tribe and language because that was the original promise to Israel and now the church is the one carrying it out. We are the ones that are being a light and a blessing to all nations by taking the good news of Jesus to every corner of the globe. Yeah, before Israel continued to be diminished and diminished until they were themselves were this forgotten tribe yes. under exile and now the forgotten tribes throughout the world are having the entirety of the kingdom of God converge on them with whatever resources we have to see them know the Lord who saves the rest of the world. Right. And all this is happening to loop it back in. All this is happening because God has softened hearts. He has put his Holy Spirit inside of people to make them do what they would have not done otherwise. We would have only ever hated God. We would have only ever followed our own way. But whenever God sends his spirit into a hard heart to soften it, he makes it obey his will and do his work and tend this world as he sees fit. Maybe you, and a simple way to say that is just God always takes the first step yeah. in changing us. Yes. And 
Would you say the same truth of hardening, that God always takes the first step in hardening, or that we are by default hardened? I would say that we are by default hardened. We're, we're children of Adam, um, and so by default we're hardened. We are, we're born in iniquity. You know, we're conceived in iniquity. Is, isn't that what the psalmist says? And so by default we are sinners, um, and, but that doesn't take God. It also doesn't take God by surprise. Uh, I think the part of the hard truth is, and this is where we get up, this is where the, kind, of the, kind of the last step in the journey before we hit the wall of the question we're told in the scriptures multiple times to just not ask, is um, our hardness of heart does not take God by surprise, and he created us anyway. And he created, Romans 9 says, vessels of wrath, vessels that he knew would he would not give this softening of heart to, that he would create knowing that they would be preternaturally disposed to hardening, that they would hate God, that they would sin of their own responsible will, and he would not extend grace to them. Instead, he would extend justice to them and punishment to them. And yet he's still good to do that. And this is where we, we then take the last step in our journey and run up against the wall, and everyone listening to the podcast asks in in um, in one voice, so why would God make people just to be vessels of wrath? And multiple times over throughout the scriptures, we're, we're told, who are you, O oh man, yeah. to question the justice of God? Or we're given the example of Pharaoh, where God right. says, this is to show my wonders. Mm. And Yes, yeah, it's, from, it's, for, it's for his glory. So, which leads the faithful Christian asking, can I worship a God who I can't understand? At the end of the day, if we're not allowed to ask the question, can we worship a God we don't understand? Yeah, or I think I think to put a positive spin on the question, it's like, um, can I worship a God who's preeminently concerned about His own glory? Because really, it just changes the it changes the paradigm around. We think that a, a good God would be all about saving us, when in reality, the best God would be all about glorifying Himself. And can we worship a God who's all about His own glory? I would answer that question with, would there even be a God? Who would do otherwise? Who would not be concerned about his own glory? If you have a God who is more concerned about humans than he was about himself, then he probably wouldn't be the best thing and worthy of our worship. And so, what kind of God is this of whom we would ask such a hard question and he would say, who are you to ask? (laughs) It's a God who is preeminently deserving of all glory, all wonder, all awe, all fear, all trembling, all worship. Like, this is the only God who is worthy of being called God. And I think we see that clearly in this doctrine of hardness and softness of heart. Thank you for listening to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Spoken Gospel is a nonprofit organization dedicated to creating gospel-centered media that speaks the gospel out of every corner of Scripture in every corner of the world. To learn more about the ministry of Spoken Gospel and view more of our resources, visit SpokenGospel.com.